Hello, good morning everyone. I'm with Dr. V. Premnath. Joining me on uh, the middle road, this is Nishant Malhotra. And this is one of the most riveting and kick-ass discussions. We are with social change enablers, technocrat, technology development and innovation guru. He's uh, the co-founder and the director at Venture Center, the largest uh, technology-oriented incubator in India. So, uh, Dr. V. Premnath, you, you're not only heading one of the most innovative incubators in India and Asia, I think you're heading it in a way, I would say, globally. Your esteemed institute is making a fantastic, consistent and considerable social change and impact. So many companies are debating. So, we'll start with a bit of social entrepreneurship. So, you have 10 enterprises in healthcare and sustainability. Not only in healthcare, you're also in agri-tech and across various sectors. Now, some of them, of course, is Noble Exchange, which is doing a fantastic job, Innovate Biosolutions, Lab to Market, where you take companies which are basically uh, publicly funded research and development centers, and you take them and make them very viable uh, enterprises. You have something like uh, Module Innovations as an example. So, would you like to, you know, take us, because you're doing a lot of work, you have 30% as your entrepreneurs, as women, you have at least 100 uh, startups on the campus. So would you like to, you know, talk about how the levers and processes which you are promoting here for a systemic change, uh, not only in the startup uh, ecosystem, but an overall social change? Uh, let me <clears throat> talk a little bit first about Venture Center as a whole, and then I can talk about social uh, impact uh, uh, more specifically. Uh, the Venture Center is basically an incubator that is focused on businesses which are knowledge intensive. Uh, they look, we look at businesses which have inventive ideas behind them, which have science and technology based ideas behind them. Uh, and that's a sort of specialization and also because we firmly believe that it's technology that's going to be the biggest driver uh, for change in the world uh, in the future. And when I say technology, I'm talking about science and engineering and uh, various other various topics. It's not just information uh, uh, technology per se. Uh, so, we look at how problems local and global can be solved with technology interventions in as effective a way as possible. And some of these are purely uh, with an interest in economic value creation, but many others are have an uh, um, have considerable social impact and that is where we tend to look at social enterprises. Okay? Now, social enterprises to us are for-profit enterprises that are looking at problems of great social value. Uh, besides the first, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the first uh, bottom line, which is the financial bottom line, they have other considerations like, for example, impact, which they need to look at. Right? So, impact could be in affordable health impact could be in terms of quality of life in uh, empowering the disabled and the elderly uh, it could be in terms of environment it could be in terms of clean energy it could be in terms of sanitation waste hygiene uh, and it could be in terms of say empowering farmers in agriculture and so on so when we look at social enterprises we are talking about those which have technology innovation at the back end and powering social impact and uh, uh, um, for us a role model for this would be Amul 
okay? uh, uh, the kind of organization which was built in India which has considerable impact not only uh, for the many farmers and uh, many dairy farmers that it serves but also so many consumers who get high quality affordable products right and at the same time uh, it is a profitable enterprise which is considerably contributing to the economy to the well-being of these farmers and so on right now in this context a company like nobel exchange that you mentioned uh, is a company which is addressing a really pressing problem of Indian cities today. Indian cities are reeling under uh, mountains of waste uh, and the worst kind of waste is mixed uh, post-consumer waste uh, and if we do not do something about it, all of us are going to be in deep trouble. It is very clear from the experiences of Delhi, uh, Bombay where there are major problems associated with managing waste. Right? Uh, in Pune, uh, Pune city has been a pioneer in waste management. Uh, we were the first to start segregation of uh, waste. Uh, uh, the Pune Municipal Corporation insists on segregation of dry and wet waste. But we have to find solutions for wet waste. The starting point is segregation. Beyond that, you need to process wet waste. And one of our incubating companies is the leader in the field. Uh, it has the largest plant of its kind in India and definitely and also uh, in, uh, in Asia uh, for food waste processing, post-consumer organic waste processing into bio CNG which is then provided uh, to vehicle for use in uh, as a vehicular fuel uh, in petrol pumps and so on right i just wanted to add here you know so you, you, the, the ex one of the figures which has just recently come out is like we are creating india actually is doing 50, uh, 62 million tons of waste uh, you know which is coming out every year and out of that we are just processing about 20 to 28% and normal exchanges, I think, doing one third of what uh, the Pune Municipal Corporation, the waste which is getting generated in yeah. Pune. So that is a stellar achievement. You know, that is something like really ahead of the curve. Uh, you know, uh, doing a stellar. More, more importantly, it is a role model for the country. Uh, it has been written about also in the national uh, press, uh, and people are looking at it carefully now as a way to deal with uh, urban waste. You know. Uh, so, I, I think there is a great future for a company like Nobel Exchange, but that is one of our social enterprises. Uh, we have several others in the domains of affordable health, looking at pressing problems which are not sometimes not being addressed by others. Uh, there are people who are looking at problems relating to the elderly for the disabled. Uh, there are problems which uh, relate to other aspects of the environment, for example, effluent treatment uh, um, uh, and looking at many other Entering our waste streams indirectly. An example of this would be biosurfactants, for example. We have a company which produces biosurfactants, uh, which, if uh, in full use, can reduce the number of synthetic surfactants that go into your water stream, right, eventually. So, uh, there are many dimensions to this problem, uh, and, uh, and I think social enterprises are especially important for the country because they are dealing with the most pressing uh, problems of the day. Right, and trying to find business models which work and scale uh, in those uh, domains, which I think is very important and uh, something that all of us should be supporting. <coughs>
so th thank you for sharing. You know, uh, you have such a stellar bouquet of companies, you know, in every stream. And we'll come to that at a later date. And like you correctly mentioned, you have been able to scale up. And the best part about uh, Venture Center is that you have tough tech. And we'll come to that, this, you know, how we have reached on that stage. is some of the most challenging problems you're using. You're losing the latest technology, innovation, and engineering to solve those problems. And, but something what you have done fantastic at Venture Center is that you're a non-profit, but you're, you know you went without grant or donation for a year. You have got other uh, streams uh, for funding, and uh, for example, it could be through uh, you, you know various other initiatives which you take. So, we'd like to talk about that. This is something very innovative. There's something which is, I think, a global role model of what we are discussing around the world is like, do nonprofits should be sustainable rather than, you know, because that gives you a lot of flexibility to do what you really want rather than relying always on grants or donations. Yeah. So one of the things our team is very proud about is our, uh, um, is the fact that uh, we have managed our operations in such a way that we can uh, cover our operating expenses without depending necessarily on a grant or a donation. But that said, uh, in my opinion, uh, many of organizations like Venture Center, which are working towards community assets, uh, where we are building networks and capabilities for a community, needs to be deeply supported by the community itself, because of the long-term impact, the long-term economic, social and environmental benefits that such organizations bring to the table. So, my, the way we would like to see it happen is that such organizations uh, should be supported for the assets that they build <coughs> by uh, community organizations, whereas the operating cost should be managed by the organizations themselves in such a way that they are able to operate independently, uh, scale uh, uh, irrespective of other considerations and over a period of time uh, drive the uh, drive the company on their own right and the organization on their own a uh, point to remember here in the case of incubators in my opinion it's especially important that incubators find ways to raise their own resources okay uh, independent of grants and donations because they are in the business of teaching other entrepreneurs how to raise money, how to raise revenue and income and I think it is important that every incubator walks its talk okay? and therefore, it is critical that we do that and that is the orientation with which Venture Center has set up its mechanisms. We are very happy to receive grants and donations to build new programs to scale up also, in a way, being modest about your achievement because you've not only a uh, sustainable business model, you've also had uh, reserves to fund your or get your own seed fund going on. I think that's great. I mean, I think in 2016, you did not receive any funding, but you were still able to go and not only, you know, have revenue streams, but uh, save and have your own seed fund. So, uh, no, I, I must correct you there. Uh, the, um, we have, uh, we have always benefited from some kind of grants and so on. It is not that uh, we have not, but we, these have been directed towards building new capabilities and as far as possible uh, and to grow right? and not necessarily to look at the existing operations. Uh, the second thing I wanted to uh, point out is um, uh, we do we are home today to three seed funds. Okay? Uh, each of these uh, uh, seed funds have um, 
uh, some connection to certain government programs which support these uh, activities uh, and we are very happy about that because the government is actively supporting many of these activities under the Startup India uh, program. But besides that, uh, there are mechanisms by which we are trying to support young startups at a very, very early stage, especially in domains where the government is not able to support uh, in the early stages. Uh, examples, for example, being sustainability. Right? These are domains where the government has found it difficult to direct early stage resources, uh, unlike say for example a biotech or a biomed program where early stage money is available. And in those cases we think that we should be directing some of our resources and also raising money from other uh, uh, like minded sources including corporates to direct money towards uh, new ideas, innovations and entrepreneurs in those domains. Yeah. So, uh, you talked about in a startup India and you are actually a major player. Um, Mr. Narendra Modi's government has done a colossal job, Patel mission. They have the India's ease of uh, business ranking has drastically improved, which I think is one of the greatest enablers yeah. if you are opening an entrepreneur, you want to become an entrepreneur. Now, they have one of the most important initiative which they have called, which they say national initiative for developing and harnessing innovations. Uh, that's been a stellar initiative in order to promote a product driven entrepreneur, uh, you know, uh, businesses and which is basically what India should be doing rather than being a service oriented model. Now, you are actually the, uh, the national partner and, uh, you know, the chief uh, nodal partner, which I would say in uh, Nidhi Center of Excellence, you are also in the major implementation partner for uh, Nidhi EIR, which is Entrepreneurship in Residence. Uh, you play a major role in uh, with Biorac. You have various tie-ups. Uh, you, you are also the center for biopharma analysis. Now here, uh, you know, you have, you're doing a lot of work. Would you like to, you know, talk about um, your wonderful work here, uh, how this works out, how you channel your processes to incubate startups? Yeah. So, uh, I think the last uh, 10 years or so have been fantastic for the startup ecosystem in the country. There has been a sea change in perception, uh, there has been a lot of support from the government uh, looking at various aspects of uh, entrepreneurship and innovation and I think it is rightfully so. Um, the government has been investing considerable resources in the frameworks, in the infrastructure, in the, in the science that goes behind creating innovations and now it has directed its attention towards convert, converting them into tangible results for uh, the economy and society. And that is fantastic and uh, I think in the last uh, uh, four or five years, uh, it is only grown up to, uh, the level of support, the uh, level of uh, activity in this uh, domain. Um, the Startup India mission is an excellent example of how the government has directed attention of the people and society towards uh, these activities uh, as being important uh, for uh, the country and that is very correct because uh, if you look at it carefully, uh, a lot of the job creation actually happens to small enterprises and uh, uh, we have to focus on small enterprises and also the aspirational jobs, the high quality jobs are likely to be created by knowledge intensive uh, startups and companies and it is important that we support and build some of these. Another important aspect I just want to point out is the future of the country uh, depends and the future of in the Indian economy depends on innovation led companies which are looking ahead into future opportunities and that is very likely to come from science led 
and knowledge intensive businesses. So, I think we are in a sweet spot at the right time and it is a good time to be uh, in India. The specific programs you mentioned, uh, there are many activities led by many different ministries. Uh, some of them that you mentioned are very important. The Department of Science and Technology's Nidhi program has been the, has been a very pioneering uh, program. It is an umbrella program with multiple activities under it including EIR, uh, PREAS which is a prototyping grant, center of excellence, accelerator, uh, challenges, grant challenges and so on and so forth. Very different uh, activities different streams covering. Going, going to universities, yeah. you know, going at different Yeah. Times. So, that is one whole umbrella of activities. Uh, BIRAC has been a game changer in the creating the biotech innovation ecosystem in the country. Uh, it is remarkable what they have achieved in the last uh, 10 years. Um, they, they have shown a model by which government can actively work with private entities, startups and industry to build out an innovation ecosystem, which by the way is pioneering because government has traditionally found it hard to work with such entities and only worked with not-for-profits and research institutions. And of course, the Atal Innovation Mission has also come up. There are several other ministries which have also built several uh, programs. Now, we, uh, the way we look at these, uh, we have been contributing to all of these in different ways. Uh, we are happy to act as ecosystem players facilitating it uh, as we are doing in EIR or key implementers as we are doing in center of excellence or in prayas for example or in seed funds uh, where we are the implementing agency uh, and we are also happy to uh, create a whole cadre of incubation professionals in Bayrak's uh, Bayrak Regional Bioinnovation Center. One of our key focus areas is uh, something called an incubation practice school through which we are building out a bioincubation practice school through which we are building out and training incubator managers in other places. So, there are important contributions to be made in the for the incubation ecosystem in the country which we are happy to contribute to, but also locally uh, it enriches the ecosystem of Pune and of venture center and of this whole region uh, in terms of the various options available to entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs and current entrepreneurs on how they can take businesses ahead uh, into the future. That includes funding, that includes mentoring, that includes advice, that includes laboratory space, that includes plug and play facilities, it includes high end analytical facilities, it includes IP advisory relating to patents, trademarks, it includes even lots of events and many other activities which essentially create what is an ecosystem that is conducive for such activities. And as you might realize, a science based business innovation ecosystem requires a much richer and diverse ecosystem and that is not uh, that is something which you know one has to create in India it does not happen naturally in all places. Okay? Uh, some countries around the world have had cities which have naturally built those, but we did not have that uh, as a natural ecosystem. So, we had to build it out and in a small way locally in Pune in Venture Centre, we have tried to build out a nucleus of such, uh, uh, such an ecosystem and then grow it over time. Now, you, you correctly mentioned, I mean, I mean what is so fantastic about uh, the Venture Centre is that you are getting IP rich in, uh, environment, you, you know you are in the top end uh, engineering and innovation space. 
which requires uh, some of the best subject matters which you have. You have about 350 mentors who could be academicians, who could be, you know, people from the industry, business leaders, scientists, which is what you bring in, you know, to the table. You have high-end uh, laboratories, your prototyping mach uh, machines, which is, you know, helping yeah. up. So that's fantastic. And like you correctly mentioned, uh, you, and during our discussion, you know, when we discussed, you are actually enabling uh, first-time entrepreneurs, and they are the ones who mm -hmm. really, really need help, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of in yeah. giving a so, support, which is what you're building in. And uh, under Mr. Modi's Startup India plan, you have, uh, I think, 500 incubators. That's what the plan is to open by 2024. I think those that will be a major game changer. Because you, you know, you, you spoke, you have, you're basically a multifaceted, multidimensional, say, not only an incubator, you're a scientific institute, which is like, you know, got a uh, sort of expertise in some of the best things and the uh, best technology in the world. So would you like to take us through how, how does it start when somebody comes to an incubator and the whole process which you take it uh, to, you know, either seed funding or then post that you want to take it to a series A funding. Would you like to take us through how the whole dynamic works? I'm very clear as each step what, you know, what is getting enabled and Are an organization focused on innovation and entrepreneurship, building an ecosystem for scientists, engineers and various other first generation budding entrepreneurs to flourish. Um, we are very blessed to be in the company of outstanding scientific institutions. Okay? Uh, in Pune, uh, we are ho hosted by the National Chemical Laboratory, which is the leading flagship laboratory of CSIR. We are next to ICER Pune, uh, which is the top ICER uh, in uh, the country uh, and a leading uh, organization globally now amongst the young universities of the world. They have come in the top 50 in the world now. Uh, we are close to organizations which are affiliated with dip, uh, uh, the Department of Biotechnology, uh, the ICMR, uh, the Ministry of Earth Sciences, um, the, the Ministry of uh, uh, Electronics and IT. All of these organizations are in close vicinity and DRDO uh, as well. right? So, uh, we are blessed to be in the company of science and technology organizations and leverage that mind space that all of them are creating. So, we are facilitators as Venture Center building some of these things out. Uh, now, uh, you asked me about uh, how, uh, what, what are the, tip what would be the typical journey of a startup and how we could facilitate or how uh, they would progress to various phases in an uh, incubator. Uh, very often as I told you in many knowledge based uh, se uh, business sectors, uh, the entrepreneur is very often a first generation entrepreneur. Okay? Um, they do not come from business families. Uh, they are usually people who come from academic, scientific, engineering backgrounds who have come up with an idea and want to take things uh, further. So, our journey starts at the very beginning when there is a single individual with an idea very often who comes with no idea of what the business would look like and we our internal mentoring team focuses on educating them, training them, quizzing them sometimes to try and flesh out a plan, right? uh, a storyline of what the business would look like. So, the starting point is very often about just putting your storyline together, thinking through your business, ironing out all the loose uh, ends, uh, finding out, uh, I mean trying to put evidence uh, behind some of the claims that one wish to make. Right? Beyond that, it becomes more about trying to raise resources 
and when I say resources it is just not money, it is also team members, these are advisors, uh, other key facilities one might need. In certain tough tech domains there are very niche facilities that are required sometimes. Okay. Uh, it is not for example, if you were doing an energy related uh, startup, right, you might need an energy uh, a test rig which may not be available everywhere and so you need to tie up all those resources in, to, in order to begin the business in the first place. Now, as you tie up all of this, uh, you have to put a structure in place uh, in the form of a company such that all the participants can participate in it and be incentivized to perform. Right? This could be co-founders, this could be investors, this could be other partners, so maybe technology providers uh, and what are the kind of agreements you would enter into, what are the kind of legal structures you need to put in place. That comes into play uh, next usually and once that is in place, the company, company is ready to begin its uh, journey in the form of uh, you know, either it is R and D program, I mean it is technology development program or it is operations in depending upon at what stage of uh, development of the technology uh, they are. Now, one of our USPs is our in-house mentoring activities that we do. Uh, the We have internal team members who spend considerable time with startups to think through their uh, ideas. Uh, we have external team members, external extended networks of senior mentors who can advise on specific things, but may not have the time to put in to uh, go, uh, very closely mentor uh, some of the startups. So, we bridge the gap by using the help of in-house mentors and combining all of these in a creative uh, manner. Uh, we are also home usually in uh, if a co company is at a stage where the technology is at a concept stage, the first set of funding is a proof of concept funding and that proof, conce proof of concept funding is usually done uh, through grant funding of some kind or through the three F's which is friends, family and fools. Right? Uh, that is where uh, uh, you know that is how you take it to a stage where you have proven your concept Okay, and you are able to put some prototypes in place and convince investors that it, you have a story, uh, you have done your market research, you have a prototype, you know where you are headed, you have put a team together which can deliver and execute and you are on sound uh, solid ground to begin uh, you know raising commercial money and take it ahead. And that is where our mentoring in terms of pitch decks, uh, interacting with investors, referrals to investors, meeting investors, uh, we have a meet the investor series which enables that as well. We have clinics with investors which allows them to then build it out, uh, take it to the next stage where they raise money and uh, progress the company uh, ahead. Uh, we would like, like to talk, talk about Lacto market, market, I think that is one, one of the most you know, innovative, innovative and flagship programs you have. Yeah. So, uh, this Lapto market program is uh, our flagship program which focuses on basically creating spin-off entities from research which is done in publicly funded research labs and institutions. Uh, this is something which is very unique because uh, and important as well. The reason first let me tell you why it is important. Uh, in India, 75% um, of the funding of the research spending actually happens in publicly funded research institutions, uh, unlike in the US where that number might be about 40%. Okay? So, that basically means that a lot of capacity, a lot of expertise, a lot of capabilities and facilities are being built in publicly funded institutions. And if uh, we are to 
build knowledge based enterprises, we will have to leverage these kind of capabilities. So, our lab to market fo uh, program focuses on that. What we try to do is scan capabilities within institutions which are uh, which in our view uh, have the seed of a startup, okay, have the potential to build a company and then we pull that out, work with uh, people who would want to build a company around it and try to bring a, a, a technology and a scientist on one side, an entrepreneur on the other side and some money together so that a spin-off company can be created out of it. So, with this kind of a process, we have uh, we have launched about 10 spin-off companies um, and with different types of technologies, different types of models where you know uh, sometimes the entrepreneurs uh, are uh, students and project staff and so on from uh, NCL. Uh, sometimes they could be scientists or professors uh, who are interested in building out uh, some of these companies and taking their own ideas to fruition. So, this is something which we are quite excited about. It is, uh, uh, it is a program which I think the time has come for this program. There is a lot more that needs to be done there. Uh, we are one of the very few institutions in the country which are able to do it and we would like to see this happen and be replicated in many other uh, institutions. One of the key enablers for such a thing is what is called early stage proof of concept funding. Okay? Yeah, and uh, uh, it is very important to align proof of concept funding to the technology developers and the entrepreneur in order to get this off the ground, in order to get a, a spin-off company off the ground. Uh, so, we have been trying to find ways to build those uh, pots of proof of concept funds. Uh, the very first thing uh, which we started off with was a, uh, was a proof of concept initiative support from the Department of Science and Technology. Following that, uh, we have raised money uh, using uh, CSR funds, which is corporate social responsibility funds from uh, companies which were very uh, keen to support such an activity. Uh, uh, key companies which have supported this activity include Bajaj Auto, uh, Indus uh, Biotech uh, and uh, Appendoff uh, who have supported such uh, programs in the past with the uh, Venture Centre. And so, we are able to direct some amount of small uh, amounts of money as proof of concept funds to get some of these companies off the ground. So, you know you have talked about various initiatives, you have so many collaborators like you said you they are 75 percent of the companies are publicly funded. So, how does it matter, how, how does this interaction uh, you know come in with different actors, it must be you know different skill sets are required when you are in a public, when you are in government, you are in corporate. Would, how would you uh, say your job you know yeah. sort of focuses here? Well, uh, just like in entrepreneurship, incubation is also about networking and creating those collaborations. right? Uh, so, collaborations are very, very critical. Uh, we have to work closely with academic and research organizations. Uh, we have to work with private organizations. Uh, we have to work with the government. Uh, we have to work with investors, um, institutional and angel and individual investors. Uh, we have to work with service providers of different kind who might bring in certain advisory activities or services which are useful for our startups and a whole variety of such uh, possible collaborators. Um, we as you mentioned before as well, uh, just 
in our health program, health related for just our health related startups, we have a network of around 350 uh, experts and mentors who advise us on some of the ideas and proposals and whether how we could take it uh, ahead. Uh, that again is a large collaborative uh, uh, network, right. So, I think the, the central principle in all collaborations is about uh, it's about finding points of common interest okay, and then building around it and that is true with every other uh, organization um, so we work with um, when it is an academic institution uh, we realize that all scientists and engineers would love to see their science in use would like love to see resources put behind their own ideas um, and on the other hand uh, there might be investors who are eager to see interesting new ideas to bet on, okay, which can be important in the future, uh, which can be game changing in the future and that they can catch the bus early enough. Uh, uh, there might be government which is trying to deliver impact, uh, socio-economic impact through startups, through entrepreneurship and so on. So, I think the heart of this whole collaborative enterprise is to find common interests and bring them all together uh, in a seamless way. If we can do it effectively, we build effective collaborations and bring all the stakeholders into the same game and therefore, build it uh, out as we go along. So, uh, that has been probably the recipe for building some of the collaborations that we have done in the past. So, uh, you know you talked about a lot of social impact, one of of course, uh, one of the figures is like your your startups now incubates are creating about uh, more than 500 jobs per year, 546 and these are very high end jobs, very highly skilled jobs where majority of the people need a master's degree or a PhD degree, you know, to mm -hmm. be there. So, so that is a fantastic enabler we have here. So, you know many people, you know, uh, you know are always talking about accelerators and incubators. What would exactly be which you will say to a layman is a, dis a difference between an incubator and a accelerator which you see? Um, so, the first part you asked about impact, so let me talk a little bit about that first. Um, as Venture Centre, uh, we would like to see contributions that we make uh, in terms of economic, social and environmental impact. So, we track many of these activities, we track the activities which are leading to that and also impact as well. Uh, in the last financial year, uh, our current incubates, not the leaving out the graduates, the current incubates alone um, attracted about 60 crores in risk capital. Okay. Um, that I think is phenomenal, uh, given that uh, many of these companies are early stage companies and we specialize in the early stages uh, of a company. Uh, besides that, uh, just the current incubates alone uh, were able to uh, provide jobs to about 540 uh, plus uh, people and uh, that many of these as you said were uh, jobs which in required training in sciences and engineering. Uh, our entrepreneurs itself if you look at it, uh, a vast majority of them are highly trained PhDs, masters in technology, uh, MBAs and so on. So, we create in, in many ways we are actually empowering uh, scientists and engineers to contribute in more effective ways to the economy and society, right? And that we see as a very useful uh, contribution. Uh, our goal 
is to try and build a very powerful cluster of successful innovative uh, companies in the Pune region, uh, which uh, uh, which catalyze or auto catalyze uh, the whole innovation activity in this uh, region. Uh, and it is quite possible that you know in a decades time, uh, we could be rated among some of the top innovation clusters of the world. Um, and many of these things happen in an autocatalytic way and the inflection point at which it takes off uh, is something that we have to reach and then it takes off on its own. And I think this is very doable, we are in a, uh, we already are just Venture Centre alone is home to more than 75 plus startups resident at any given time. Uh, we have worked with more than 400 startups and entrepreneurs uh, in the last uh, several years uh, and many of these companies will contribute to that cluster. So, incubators and accelerators uh, actually have a very different, they have very different purposes. Okay? Uh, when I look at incubators, um, I think the primary role of an incubator is to be a home for a lonely innovator. Okay? Uh, the reason I say this <laughs> is because uh, innovators by their own very nature are working on ideas which not too many people will buy as being very uh, are in the early stages going to be the most path breaking ideas. Okay? In history, it has been seen uh, that the journey of early, the early stage journey of all innovators is very lonely, right. It is nice at that time to be in the company of people who are on a, in a similar journey. It is nice to be in the company of people who are supportive with who, nice to be in a company which, which brings various different networks, resources, facilities to you rather than be very judgmental about that particular uh, idea. And I think uh, incubators play that very important role and to play that role they need to have an ecosystem which is what we have tried to do. Right? Now, accelerators are very focused programs on the other hand. Accelerators help a particular startup which is already in the game go from point A to B and that A to B journey is very well defined. That A to B journey could mean that they are going to basically help a company which is at an early stage to go and raise money from a commercial investor hmm, within a span of say 3 to 6 months. Right? Uh, that focus journey is slightly different where uh, you know the directions very clearly and you are putting all your efforts in, the, in that short period of time to achieve the most with that specific focus. Okay? Uh, an incubator on the other hand, you have to allow a little more flexibility. It has to accommodate many more aspects of business development, creation of ventures and you need to think of it slightly differently in my opinion, where you build out an ecosystem and let it let entrepreneurship flourish and entrepreneurship in different flavors, right? rather than direct it in a specific way, in a, in, in a specific direction as you would do in an accelerator. Right? So, accelerators are more focused, short term, very directed programs aimed at specific goals right? and uh, very often it would end with a showcase and a result which uh, is often tied to key uh, objectives like raising money and taking the company to the next uh, uh, level. Um, and these short duration programs by the way I should alert you uh, uh, work. Uh, they have to be focused invariably 
and invariably there are key mentors involved uh, which basically means that they have to be specialized. So, the mentors have to be either sector specialists or uh, focused on specific aspects of the business that they want to guide those companies uh, with. Okay. So, uh, in, in, uh, in some ways uh, incubator is like your home and your accelerator is like you going to the gym. Oh, cool. Okay. There is a fantastic you know comparison. I just love that. Um, but, you, but so, for, you know, accelerators have sort of an exit problem. They always take an equity. So, do you also, you know, how do you channelize uh, your revenue model here? Yeah. So, uh, in different incubators are different models. Okay. Not all incubators uh, take equity. Okay. Um, in uh, uh, in venture centers case, for example, uh, we don't take in equity in lieu of services. Okay, that is not our model, uh, but there are situations where we are acting as co-founders for example, in the lab to market program, where we are putting together the technology, the entrepreneur and the money together, where uh, we do take a small uh, share in the equity. There are also other situations where we are investing in companies where there is from our seed fund for example, and that is where we might take uh, an equity position, but we would normally uh, not make that a compulsion and it will not be uh, it would we would not take equity for services there are other incubators who might have equity central to their incubation model and it depends upon uh, their own incubation program and what they are offering so, for example there can be an incubator which is focused exclusively on investing and mentoring as the focus areas and not necessarily focusing on other parts of the ecosystem. For example, services of different kind, facilities, uh, infrastructure, um, advisory of certain kinds like regulatory, IP and so on, uh, building uh, networks out and making them available. If they are not looking at some of those, they might have different models. Okay? And so, I think it is got to do with different kinds of incubators and what they wish to prioritize ahead. In our case, we are very clear. Uh, that we do not uh, want to make that a barrier, an entry point barrier for companies. In fact, our starting point for most uh, entrepreneurs is an advisory program which helps them get started with very, very little uh, resources and that allows them to at least begin their journey and as they begin to raise money, they can pay for some of the services which the incubator offers and uh, uh, it also keeps the incubator on its toes because the incubator has to then offer services which people want and like every other entrepreneur they need to make sure that 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 service is value for money right and therefore uh, our incubation team is in many ways in the same boat as every other entrepreneur uh, in be in raising money in offering services and uh, to customers who really want it and are willing to pay for it. Yeah. I think uh, that is a very holistic you know, initiative, it is like you have a very tailor-made program, you are not going after the uh, equity, you know th that is something as an incubator defines your not only as a, your role in the society or in the business, it is just a you know the whole uh, game changing role in uh, social enabling. So, you have done your PhD from Massachusetts Institute of Technology US, it is a globally renowned IP rich uh, technology and quant focused university. 
So, you know, whenever you talk about MIT, and uh, of course, maybe because of the movie 21, bring, based on Bring Down the House, mm -hmm. uh, you have a perception that uh, it's very quant-oriented, you know, some of the best mathematical people, some of the best engineers in the world, you know, working on problems and very, very uh, difficult problems to be, you know, solving. You, of course, also, you know, were a achieving uh, uh, scholar. You went to, you, you were at the Cambridge University, which is also one of the most not only prestigious universities, I would say, uh, academically renowned, but uh, again, a very technically oriented university. So, how do you uh, sort of relate their pedagogy and uh, practical approach? What do you think are the similarities? One is, of course, uh, one, uh, you know, I'll say a Top Gun in the U.S. The other is a Top Gun in the Europe, and a very similar comparison in terms of what work they do. Uh, so, what would be one, of course, the differences between and the similarities, and uh, what sort of uh, both institutions? How do they get this culture of innovation going, which is like uh, through either pedagogy or through practical approaches there? So. Let me address that question uh, in parts. Uh, first of all, I think uh, um, let us look at the similarities, right. Um, I think uh, all these institutions such as uh, MIT or the University of Cambridge are um, have a deep faith in the scientific method. Uh, they have a deep respect for scholarship, uh, knowledge creation and new knowledge is the basis uh, for creating change in the world, right? be it in just science or technology or in any other field uh, in the world. I think that is a common uh, point and both of them are nuclei to thriving uh, economies. right? So, the Boston area for example, uh, has uh, immensely benefited from the presence of the various institutions in that area. There are 16 plus uh, universities and MIT is of course, one of the lead institutions in that area. Incidentally, that is the Cambridge in the US and this is the Cambridge in the UK, right. The Cambridge in the UK has created uh, Europe's number one bioeconomy now, right. Uh, and uh, clearly, that would not have been possible without the focus on science and knowledge creation uh, at the backdrop. Uh, but, uh, we have to also look at some of the differences and how things have shaped up. right? Uh, in, uh, in the case of MIT, um, it is distinct in the US context and in the global context, because it was first founded as an institute of technology. Uh, today, we use, uh, we borrow the word institute of technology very lightly, but at the time when MIT was created, uh, institute of technology was very cautiously uh, used as a name to indicate uh, that MIT was focused on the so called applied arts. Okay? So, there is a very sharp focus on looking at applications of science and as MIT would say, problem solving is at the heart of everything that MIT does. Okay? That is not necessarily so for many other universities, uh, who might explore knowledge for knowledge sake and not necessarily focus on problem solving. That does not mean that MIT does not have people who are focusing on knowledge for knowledge sake, they do, but the thing that is celebrated the most is problem solving. And that is very important to keep uh, in mind, because problem solving is what technology is. Technology is about problem solving, right. And when you look at entrepreneurship, you are essentially creating a business model around problem solving, 
right. So, in my opinion problem solving technology and entrepreneurship go all hand in hand and uh, that is something which MIT has pioneered and demonstrated how it should be done and its model has been a role model for everywhere around the world. Uh, Cambridge has always been a leader in the Cambridge, University of Cambridge in UK has always been a leader in science right and in knowledge creation there is no doubt about it. But it was only about 30 or 40 years back that it really started looking at innovation and how to convert that science into uh, you know contributions to the economy and uh, society. So, just to interrupt can I say that maybe in the they were more pedagogical and it is only in the last 30 40 years that became very practical ok let us say applied of what we want to do. Yeah, in fact, uh, Cambridge actually brought in some experts from MIT to show them how to go about it ok and this really happened. In fact, uh, there is a tech transfer organization in UK uh, called Praxis which uh, had which borrowed MIT's technology licensing officer to come there and show them what could be the kind of lessons that they could borrow and build upon. But I think that is great I mean they knew that they had the foundations in science they knew that they had various components of the ecosystem it was all about putting it to all together right. So is it can I say like when you go to MIT and you know I was in Michigan and that is also very you know uh, very highly technological institute yeah. a lot of innovation yeah. coming out is that people at a very early age in undergrad when they go for engineering degrees they are just told that ok this is good you are doing but let us start doing some experiments and let us start you know making uh, in, in the terms of real world let us keep doing it that is what I saw much more than what when I was younger you know I saw that around the US is that the defining role in. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, there is a much deeper understanding of um, the different uh, activities involved in the scientific enterprise and uh, also an appreciation of what is what each profession does ok, uh, which is natural because they have grown with it ok. In many ways in India we, we have learnt it second hand and therefore, we have a certain way of thinking about it. For example, uh, when we think about uh, technology and engineering, okay, uh, many of our many of us may not see understand or see a difference between the two, right? But there is a difference, right? Uh, engineering, when in engineering, you're taught, as you said, you know, there is a little bit of a quant orientation, right? The reason it is so is because engineering is focused on making everything predictable you should be able to design things everything needs to work as planned you cannot you have to build an aeroplane it needs to you need to know what exactly it will do when you turn which knob right you cannot be experimenting with an aeroplane like a scientist would do in a laboratory right hmm? at the same time um, and how do you do that and the way you would do that you would achieve it by very often by a quantitative understanding of phenomenon ok, by using maths, physics and various other disciplines to quantitatively pin down what exactly will change when you change one knob or the other. So, in effect an engineer is trying to make everything as boring as possible as predictable as possible in their uh, job right, but that does not mean necessarily that they would look at technology ok. Technology is about problem solving ok. Yes, engineers can be 
very suitable for technology, but technology is something which even scientists pursue, right. People who are pursuing new knowledge could also be pursuing problem solving, right. So, technology on the other hand is an orientation in my view, right, an orientation to solve problems and you know any profession should be able to be to able to do technology because there are problems to be solved which draw upon every profession, right. So, I think that understanding is sometimes missing, right. And there is also a few other differences. Uh, for example, uh, Michigan is very well known for looking at a lot of socially relevant problems, right. Uh, in the tradition of what uh, uh, was spoken by Dr. Prahalad from the business school and so on, uh, they tend to emphasize the need for social innovation and entrepreneurship to look at socially relevant and important technologies, right. Uh, and that basically means that people feel an urge to focus on problems which have wider impact, right. Uh, and that I think is a good thing. If uh, so, it is important uh, since uh, you know as you know Dr. Prahlad was from the management schools. So, it does not end with engineering, your education does not end with engineering, you need to look beyond that as well, right. And the influences of engineering schools uh, of other schools like management schools, philosophy and so on on some of the engineering schools is also important. So, it is not surprising that MIT also has good departments in economics, in philosophy, in so many other domains because it is when you when you focus on problem solving you just cannot work in silos anymore, right. You have to know how to build upon knowledge from various domains, right. So, I think uh, in India we are learning um, the IITs clearly wanted to draw lessons from uh, MIT. Uh, the ICERs have chosen to draw lessons from other institutions which are more focused on knowledge creation, right. And I think there is a space for all of these. Uh, we do not need to copy necessarily um, uh, any given university, but we will have to build our own model and learn along the way and tailor our pedagogy to suit uh, uh, you know what we wish to achieve in our country. I think you, you talked about one of the most fantastic points I have been you know that is what I have been also is like you do not have to be in silos I mean Americans just build everything fantastically as a university where you had something in philosophy if you want to do something in arts in literature and all sort of you know boils down to and together and you get the best of the people from everywhere and you also have careers you know uh, that if you want to be you, what you really want to do just you know, what you are passionate about you go ahead and you know do that and I think uh, that is something which uh, that is one of the models which they have given. And so, you you know you talked about a lot of uh, MIT of course, if you are talking about MIT uh, you have the engine uh, incubator for MIT and you talked about how much Cambridge had helped in terms of you know driving the uh, biotech revolution I would say in UK, yeah. uh, Cambridge University UK. So, I, you were doing a lot of work here, how has it been influential, how, what sort of uh, did it inspire you to do what you are doing right now, um, what sort of best business practices you took from uh, these schools and implemented. Yeah, yeah so uh, when we got started by the way the venture center started about 12 years back okay. Uh, when we got started uh, the motivation was uh, to help our scientists and engineers translate technology uh, and we realized that you need a richer ecosystem and just doing it within academic or research organizations just would not cut it okay. So, we looked for lessons elsewhere 
right. Uh, in the US, a uh, place like Boston for example, is an excellent example of or the Silicon Valley is an excellent example of how you can take ideas quickly to uh, market. It's the whole incubator. Yes. Like you rightly yeah. the whole city is incubator. Yeah. But, but, the, but the problem there is that uh, they are used to, uh, I mean, since it is organically grown, uh, the ecosystem has organically grown, the whole city or the whole, whole uh, region uh, is an, a very large incubator, right. In our case, uh, it is a very different situation, right. The situation uh, we have gaps in our ecosystems and we cannot assume that the, the, the larger city will solve all the problems of the ecosystem. So, Venture Centre is now 12 years old okay? and when we got started, uh, our, our goal was to try and build an ecosystem by which people who are developing technologies, the scientists and engineers find it easier and more productive. Uh, to take ideas to market as quickly as possible. Okay. So, our goal was and we realized that this will only be possible with a richer ecosystem which was not existent at that time. Right. We needed to have people who are interested in building companies uh, around us, we needed to have people who, are, who were willing to invest in these companies, we needed to have resource pockets, we needed to have dedicated labs, offices, uh, uh, facilities which are available to entrepreneurs and many other things in the puzzle which were missing. Right? So, we started looking at models from elsewhere. I was of course familiar with the Boston uh, ecosystem. And if you look at the American uh, models, you will often, you will find that uh, in the early days, uh, uh, the all the action was happening in the east coast and the west coast, the east coast around the Boston area and the west coast around the San Francisco Bay area. And the whole city and the whole region was acting as a giant incubator. Uh, they did not at that time, if you were to ask uh, many academicians in uh, institutions like MIT, they would have said uh, that, you know, there is no need for an incubator, okay. The, they would, because they, they were taking the whole city and the city environment for uh, granted. So, so you are right? actually just to, you are yeah. absolutely right here and now uh, America is trying to put that innovation right now in the southern states and Texas, Austin is coming up. Yeah. 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 So, as, as they are trying to trying create to innovation clusters in other cities, uh, now they can see that the whole giant, uh, you know, innovation ecosystem of the city is not the same as say a Boston or a, uh, or a San Francisco and they need to build it out, right. And so therefore, they do see. Yeah, and therefore, they do see a need for building incubators, right? And that's happening today uh, in the U.S., right? And uh, the latest example of this is the engine which uh, MIT has launched, especially aimed at tough tech, okay? Which is located close in close vicinity to MIT and focuses on technologies which are path-breaking, game-changing, but involve tough uh, technology, okay? Difficult to do technology, and therefore needs support and incubation. Now. The Cambridge environment was something very different. So, when we got started around 2007, uh, UK had just gone through a phase where they had transited from doing science with very little of entrepreneurship okay, uh, of the kind which you see in the US, science based entrepreneurship and building startups and so on, to a phase where they had they were heading towards building Europe's biggest bioeconomy, 
okay for example cambridge being europe's biggest bioeconomy and uk demonstrating examples of how you could build innovation ecosystems around university and research uh, uh, institutions in very creative ways so we thought that that would be the place to learn how we could do something similar uh, in uh, india and uh, that's how we began um, I, I was in cambridge for a year and i had this incredible opportunity to visit many different incubators institutions and understand how they were going about it uh, the uk has three uh, has uh, has three cities which uh, power this innovation triangle which is primarily london cambridge and oxford and each of these places has uh, outstanding efforts in uh, uh, innovation uh, in oxford uh, the begbrook uh, science park uh, was incubating companies which were leveraging material science uh, and that was very relevant to what ncl uh, strengths what ncl strengths were uh, in cambridge there were many companies which were leveraging biosciences uh, and building outstanding companies and also it and electronics and therefore that provided another set of uh, role models and in uh, imperial college uh, in london around uh, in that area they were uh, looking a lot of uh, looking at many companies which are focused on energy environment engineering biomedical engineering and so on uh, which again uh, provided a cluster which was very different uh, from say what uh, oxford or a cambridge uh, would do so these were very good examples to learn from and we started on uh, in very um, in very small and humble ways uh, trying to learn from it but uh, do it in a way that is relevant to india okay uh, and something which was realistic for india uh, and an ecosystem that could grow over a period of time uh, uh, in a natural way i mean as natural a way as possible uh, rather than uh, uh, one that we would sort of create with a very large investment in one shot okay so that's how venture center began and we learned from learned from some of these uh, models i think each of these clusters have something to teach us more recently uh, we are seeing a lot of action in say for example sweden and there's a lot to learn from there uh, israel for example uh, there's a lot to learn from there uh, the models from singapore have their own uh, 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 you know uh, niche areas that they can uh, teach us about so our team is looking at some of these models and trying to see how we can leverage it uh, for the benefit of uh, india and the and pune's uh, ecosystem as well and thanks for putting up uh, you know sweden uh, i mean sweden of course scandinavian countries are doing a lot of good in renewable space they have been the leaders in sustainability and you know, the tough tech is the first time i heard it from you and but i just want to know exactly what's it i do understand tough tech would be like really advanced technologies maybe in artificial intelligence or machine learning which is maybe on a very advanced stage in engineering but how do you sort of differentiate Uh, we'll say a tech with a tough tech what would be the exact definition according to where will you say draw okay. the line okay this is tough tech so uh, let's let's understand a little bit of nomenclature and then we can get to that as well uh, so if you look at entrepreneurship they are very often driven by innovation of some kind uh, a lot of them are driven by what is called business process innovation and the business process innovation may or may not be enabled by technology of some kind science and technology of some kind right Uh, but it may not be new technology 
right? It may not be inventive technology, it is an application of existing technology. On the other side, you have technical inventions which drive innovation, right? And uh, that is where uh, you know people who are building in um, uh, new methods of uh, um, you know say treatment for patients of certain diseases okay uh, or new drug molecules or new diagnostic techniques or new medical devices or new ways to uh, or new batteries for example uh, modifications lithium ion batteries or uh, you know new energy generation uh, systems or ways to clean up the environment remove say antibiotics from water Okay, and so on and so forth. There, there are people who are working on a whole variety of different technologies which are inventive, new to the world okay, and aiming to solve some of these problems. And the reason you need new to the world technologies is because clearly the what is available today is not adequate to solve the problem. Right? If it could be an adaptation of existing technologies, people would have done it. It is just that it is new to the world. And I think Many of the technologies new to the world uh, in today's world uh, very often uh, are not simple to, uh, to get into, right. Uh, they, it involves special skills and very often these skills are nurtured, uh, these techniques, capabilities, skills are nurtured in university and research environments over years. Uh, so, maybe 20 years of work in a given domain results in a new piece of uh, technology which one can take uh, ahead. There are also technology risks involved here and that makes it even tougher, right. So, in some ways uh, tough tech is about solving very difficult so called intractable problems, what looks impossible almost, okay. It is about using cutting edge science and technology uh, which is tough in a way to get to right. So, you have to build those capabilities over a period of time and in many ways because you are tackling the most difficult problems it also might represent the largest rewards both for in economic terms and in, so in, in terms of social impact. Therefore, uh, while these are not the low hanging fruits right. Uh, these could be the game changers. So, I think tough tech represents that and I think venture center also in many ways focuses on tough tech uh, uh, because we want to make the biggest dent possible on the, the biggest problems of the world. So, it is not more of an iterative technology, it is like just uh, coming up with the whole you know game changing sort of. Uh, thing which comes out with absolutely new processes, uh, new ways of defining uh, you know doing something. Yeah, to, to the extent that it is needed, yeah and, and we think in many cases there are intractable problems which need uh, some of that. So, let me give you one social socially relevant uh, problem. So, today for example, the whole wor world is worried about antimicrobial resistance okay, uh, because of misuse of antibiotics and uh, antibiotics in uh, in our water streams and so on and so forth. Many of the bugs, uh, the, the, the disease causing bugs are getting resistant to antibiotics, right. And the world is running out of antibiotics. Sometimes there are patients for whom none of the antibiotics work. What do you do in such circumstances? This is an example of a very difficult and a very important problem to solve, 
right? Because it's not only a problem for say uh, India, but it's a problem for the whole world, right? And if you're looking at such an intractable problem, such a difficult problem, uh, clearly there are no obvious answers available, and clearly you cannot be necessarily looking at only incremental solutions. You need to go and look at path-breaking solutions, and those path-breaking solutions. It might be resident in some form in research and academic institutions. The question is who will convert it into a product or a service and take it to uh, market, right? And what help is needed to make that happen, right? So, many of these are by the way very high reward kind of opportunities. So, if, if the company is successful, uh, the rewards can be tremendous and really very large, okay? Uh, another example which people might relate to is what say Elon Musk has done with SpaceX, right? It was very, I mean before he, uh, he and uh, other uh, technology developers in the space got into it, it was widely believed that uh, space technology and sending rockets was only feasible for the large governments of the world, okay? And the cost structure was absolutely prohibitive. What they have realized is that if they could recycle those rockets, they can change the cost structure entirely and therefore, it becomes amenable to private enterprise, right? And that is path breaking and that requires innovative technology and that is an example of tough tech as well, right? And that is, those are the kind of visionary uh, uh, innovators who, who are also needed besides uh, those who are who are solving the low, uh, who are you know picking on the low hanging uh, fruits and creating value out of it, who I think are also equally important. But there needs to be a space where tough tech can be nurtured, okay. And I think that is that is something which Venture Center would love to do. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that was a fantastic example in tough tech, you know, SpaceX, how the revolutionary the whole idea and the whole setup is. Uh, you know, so uh, one of the you do so many things, and one of the hats which you wear is, of course, have a lot of networking events. You not only have networking events, you have the whole you know gamut of events uh, where you organize. You organize lectures, you have hackathon. So one of the things which you have been doing, and now you will soon be having the twenty-first uh, uh, you know lecture on social innovation or social entrepreneurship, yeah. where you talk. You are calling somebody from Mapro, yeah. organic uh, farming and. So, and you also had something before where you had called up 108 ambulance service. So, would you like to share how did this really in initiate? You know, it's very good yeah. to have, uh, you know, technology which is anyway enabling a lot of work and uh, yeah. to help, this, uh, you know, whether less privileged people and then you have something like, uh, you know, these events. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Venture Center has, uh, uh, today runs more than 200 events a year, okay, of different kinds. Uh, there are talks, there are workshops, uh, there are events where we focus on one theme called campaign events. Uh, there are clinics that we run, there are networking events, a whole variety of uh, different events and, and they have different purposes. Some are focused on information, some are focused on inspiration, uh, some are focused on uh, hands-on training. Uh, and certifications and so on and so forth uh, and some can be focused on networking for example and giving opportunities for people to meet each other, right? Now, some years back we felt a need for 
for an event which would bring all the social innovators together and people who are working on different themes and also a community uh, that exists which is really committed and focused on uh, social impact and this is not this these are just not only entrepreneurs uh, but various other stakeholders for example not for profits who work on different themes for example health uh, in rural uh, india or hospitals doctors um, um, you know other professionals who who interface through you know various other things for example law right so uh, the social innovation lecture series is something which we run where we are trying to bring all the stakeholders and please realize also that in social innovation uh, the number of stakeholders are many more right that you're engaging with uh, as uh, i mean there are many others many players who are involved in the process of creating uh, social impact so we are trying to bring all of them together to try and inspire inform learn from other people's models and also celebrate some of those uh, success stories uh, you mentioned a few so the last few that we have run the uh, one was focused on this incredible 108 ambulance service which has been rolled out uh, uh, in many cities uh, in india uh, in pune as well in bombay as well it originated through efforts of a few people who took the effort to go and convince a state government uh, and a city government that it's something that they must have uh, that uh, uh, prompt uh, ambulance services uh, are an absolute must for the country uh, and uh, they have done an incredible job uh, doing that uh, the second uh, one other one which we have done in the recent past is this outstanding uh, uh, small company called low cost standard uh, thera therapeutics uh, which is supplying drugs to many villages uh, in india at the lowest possible price high quality generic drugs everything from the essential uh, list of essential drugs okay uh, and uh, with such commitment and dedication that it is so remarkable to have such organizations uh, in the country um, we are going to shortly have a talk which is by uh the founder of pro uh, mapro is uh, a very good example of a agro and uh, food enterprise uh, which has uh, which has made its mark you know uh, both regionally and also now it's it's opening uh, i mean it is going places to many other uh, i mean you can see their products in uh, the shelves in many other retail outlets as well but they have also so impacted people locally right in terms of giving employment working in a domain which needs entrepreneurship and employment so it's it's so we are very happy to host that event and to hear from the founders on you know what uh, what their motivations were what is their vision and what were the what was the recipe for success and what would they like to share with other entrepreneurs uh, who are just starting their journey or in the midway through it and who could be inspired by uh, their own journey uh, taking that business ahead yeah so, so when when we look at uh, the venture center it's it's done so much and it's you know uh, made in a collaborative model before i come to of course my last two questions is that you work on a public uh, private partnership model which is known as sustainable development goal 17 which is one of the most prominent goals now for united nations to uh, go close to 2030 agenda 
and we keep uh, of the recent times you're seeing in this collaborate model is really working you know not only is it working abroad it's working in india you know you have uh, pune city connect as a good example do you think this is the way forward that lot of organizations would have to play a role sort of a i would say like a blended role between public private with multiple actors with much of the system getting it yeah yeah there's no doubt that we need to have uh, uh, public private partnership uh, models uh, not only in project mode but also entities which combine the best of multiple uh, worlds um, while the government has brings in uh, a different level of scale a different level of longer term commitment a different uh, set of uh, motivations uh i think uh, it's very difficult to beat the private sector in terms of efficiencies in terms of uh, focus uh, in terms of uh, incentivizing various stakeholders okay so there's a clear case for combining the two and making the most of it and there are many many models which are emerging and we need to learn from those as well um and the government is also looking at these very carefully in the last 10 years the uh, the government the erstwhile planning commission had rolled out models for ppps uh, and encouraged people to look at it more carefully uh, in the more recent uh, times as well there's a lot of interest in looking at some of these models um, where uh, you know one can build on strengths of both uh, entities even in the research space people are looking at it uh, so called government owned corporate and or company operated kind of models uh, we are an example of an interesting model uh, where a whole array of stakeholders are coming uh, together where the public institutions are contributing uh, important assets uh, there is a community which is getting together to operate it hmm? corporates are contributing in their own uh, way through csr programs for example uh various stakeholders like investors mentors uh, and many other people are participating in it uh, especially if you look at the mentors uh, especially our senior mentors uh they are very short of time and they still want to participate and contribute because they find the mission of an organization and the and the collaborative structure of it so exciting that they are willing to contribute uh, to building uh companies and entrepreneurs who will shape the future of the country so there's no doubt that it is important and i'm uh, and i i can see it moving in the right direction there'll be a lot more public private pa partnership entities in the future so you know it's been 12 years uh, you've reached a you know a fantastic level been a, you've won uh, not only national awards you've been you know facilitated by the president of india uh, but you have won asian awards and i'm sure you're going globally so what's your vision ahead for the next 5 years you, you, yeah. you what do you think you want to achieve during this period of time yeah so uh, we have set a goal uh, for ourselves uh, we'll be completing about 20 years in 2027 uh and uh, we have as venture center we are aiming to see at least 100 innovative companies in the pune region which are flourishing and have a global footprint okay uh if we have 100 such companies that would be a powerful enough 
powerful cluster which will I think autocatalytically auto grow okay, uh, over time uh, and we would have done uh, remarkable, uh, we would have made an important contribution to this region and also a role model for uh, the country and elsewhere. So, in order to achieve those 100 flourishing innovative companies and an innovation economy in this region, right? Uh, Venture Center has to work with thousands of companies. Okay? Um, so, let us say that we in the next, uh, by 2027 we want to have, we, we wish that we would have worked with about two to 3000 companies. Uh, we need to scale rapidly to be able to work with as many companies and contribute usefully to as many companies. Today, Venture Center is home to about 75 plus startups at any given time. And uh, we are hoping that uh, we would grow uh, to be able to accommodate 150 startups at any given time in the next two uh, years or uh, so. Uh, and uh, in the coming years, uh, we want to build on, this, build on uh, the success and scale it up even further. So, our goal would be to try and host uh, by 2027 be home to a very high density, uh, high knowledge uh, uh, cluster of a more than about 300 to 400 startups in one location, uh, which you know work with each other and build upon each other's strengths and come out and churn out uh, successful companies, which we can all be uh, proud of. That will be, uh, that is the goal for the uh, future. Uh, but I think for the immediate goal, uh, uh, we are trying uh, to ensure uh, that we take as many of our startups uh, to uh, to key success milestones and demonstrate uh, results in terms of economic contributions, in terms of uh, uh, scale uh, and uh, scale of impact. Uh, that is actually something which is very critical uh, to build that momentum for this ecosystem, right? So, that is our immediate goal uh, for the time being. So, it is you know, it is so, it is going to be really superlative to see so many of the startups working together, you know, helping each other. I think that that is going to be a really huge, uh, you know, I would say st uh, forward step for India for globally because these are globally scalable companies uh, as I understand. Uh, so, but you think is there any critical enabler would you feel you need uh, support to achieve your dream? Yeah. Um, all of these activities I think at the end of the day are driven by people, right? So, people are central to this whole activity. Um, our uh, team has been b growing uh, and we have been able to attract good people who are very committed to the cause. The question uh, would be uh, to continuously build on the team as we uh, go ahead, uh, who are as committed as enthused by the vision uh, to build something useful uh, and to keep up the momentum in uh, taking it ahead. Uh, as we build the team out and the vision out uh, and demonstrate results in small steps, I think the rest of the resources will come into place uh, automatically. Uh, I do not think there is a shortage of funds or uh, well-wishers uh, as long as uh, you are, you know, working towards a goal that is a, you know, the common goal uh, and one that is in, that is exciting enough uh, to a wide number of uh, people. So, I think uh, um, we will 
we will see all those factors aligning with us as long as we are able to uh, build our team out and ensure uh, that uh, uh, we are able to uh, serve a lot many more uh, companies uh, in this uh, area. The, there is of course, a very important role of a larger ecosystem which I should not undermine. Um, all at the end of the day, it is not about just local ecosystems, right. For say a company from venture center to succeed, uh, there has to be funding at multiple levels and therefore, investors from other ecosystems, invest players from other ecosystems are also relevant. So, one has to also keep that in mind. Uh, it is like a huge optimization problem where you are trying to uh, uh, trying to get the timing and the resource allocations and everything right. But I hope uh, we will be up to the challenge and uh, take it to uh, the final destination. That is our that is our hope and wish. I am sure I mean uh, you are right right there I think it is just a matter of time and how it is going to you know grow up. You have one of the you are very well read. You have one of the best libraries, I think, in India or maybe even in Asia. You know, related to subjects like entrepreneurship, uh, innovation, technology, tech. Would like to give maybe a couple of recommendations which you think are fantastic reads for people. Uh, one could be something in maybe uh, something which you feel is in technology a very good read for startups. One could be more generic in nature. Like to. Yeah, I think. Uh I limit myself to uh, uh, a couple of suggestions. Uh, I think the for the budding entrepreneurs, um, we we do scan a lot of different books to and and resources to understand, you know, which one might be suitable for uh, many of these. For people who are looking at uh, science-led uh, enterprises and those which are likely to raise investments, um, we we often recommend this book uh, by. Uh, John Mullins called the new business road test. Okay, I think that's a very good starting point for uh, new and budding uh, entrepreneurs. Right. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know there are books. Uh, I mean, of course, you have to read to understand uh, technology trends and so on. Uh, as I, I say in many other forums as well, uh, many of these uh, startups. Okay, the a common central theme in in most startups which you see you know growing and raising money is an element of foresight okay they have to be able to see the future in some way or the other right and to be able to see the future you have to watch trends new knowledge that is being created new developments that are happening so it's very important that if you are in the technology entrepreneurship business you are watching trends of science and technology very carefully. So, in that context, I think um, uh, you know being able to scan uh, developments in science through major journals like Nature and Science and at the same time uh, look at technology trends and, uh, and catch them early uh, by, by reading uh, magazines such as MIT Technology Review for example, is a good idea for most entrepreneurs uh, who are just getting started. Okay. They need to watch uh, trends okay, and catch it early and the earlier you get to that, uh, the more likely uh, that uh, you know you will have a sort of a, uh, uh, you know an edge in building a solution for a problem that 
you know you foresaw uh, well ahead of uh, others or a business opportunity that you foresaw well ahead of others so i think that's all that i would like to recommend and uh, you know the last question we come to of course is the aha moment so would you like to share uh, any any moment which you think uh, you know brings back a smile to your life? something from the recent uh, times uh, something which you very vividly uh, remember uh, and which you feel very happy when you think about it with what you're doing uh, in your occupation hmm. um i think uh, uh, one set of thoughts which uh, Uh, always come back to many of our team members uh, is about how uh, when we got started uh, people actually thought that uh, uh, our incubation center would be empty and there would be no uh, uh, there would be a poor pipeline of uh, scientific enterprises in the country while we while indians are very good at uh, entrepreneurship uh, we don't really have a great track record in terms of science led entrepreneurship and so we were actually told that we would be uh, vacant uh, but you know for much of our uh, 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 life uh, we have actually been pretty close to full <laughs> you know so that has always amazed our team uh, that uh, you know i think sometimes you just have to go with your gut feel and not necessarily uh, rely on what everybody uh, has to uh, say but that said um, i think in more recent times we are very gratified uh, when we see the benefits that people get from some of the products that our startups are making uh, and uh, after several years of work uh, especially in the healthcare and quality of life space uh, several of our companies have launched products and they're hitting the market uh, now uh, and uh, to see some of these uh, is, is really uh, satisfying um there's a company which uh, has launched uh, uh, spinal implants for example uh, and it's being implanted in patients today world class spinal implants uh, and uh, it's a company is called indius, indius, indius yeah right. um it's very gratifying to see uh, nobel exchange uh, uh, you know battling out all the difficulties of working with Uh, local governments and engaging with local stakeholders and finally getting um, to a point where they can show where uh, you know people realize the value of what they sort of uh, dreamed of you know several years back uh, and seeing such a large uh, plant which is contributing uh, to our daily life in pune right um the waste the organic waste that we create at home goes somewhere we never bothered to see where uh, and it's uh, probably uh, so it's nice to see that venture center and its incubators are touching the lives of uh, uh, of uh, people uh, in many ways yet another company of ours uh, uh, which uh, is called jeevtronics uh, builds uh, uh, defibrillators and uh, uh, these defibrillators are already in use in hospitals Mm, and it is really exciting to see um, that you know hospitals are finding value in some of these products and are uh, are seeing value in what our entrepreneurs uh, are doing uh, one other startup is working with uh, several thousands of uh, farmers uh, and uh, uh, helping them uh, with increased productivity 
uh, pest control and so on and so forth uh, in uh, more than uh, nine states of the country, right? Uh, and that is again uh, really exciting to see. Uh, yet another company uh, ha is doing business in many countries around the world uh, with what with hardcore uh, engineering solutions uh, which have a lot of impact uh, in uh, uh, in uh, uh, if uh, its indirect impact on energy and environment. Okay, so I think all no, these externalities that's what they are doing yeah so it's it's it, uh, you know when when somebody say improves uh, industrial process they're contributing in uh, many ways to uh, energy and environment and uh, at the end of the day uh, i think these are things which uh, sort of uh, uh, get our team excited that we are able to do some of these things and contribute in useful ways right uh, so, at the end of the day, I think the aha moments come every time we hear success stories from our uh, incubating companies. Right. Yeah. So, just on a quick note, uh, Geotronics, which you are talking about, I mean, both Ashish and Ruth, uh, they are from Michigan, University of Michigan. So, yeah, we have a Michigan portfolio company also within you. Uh, that's oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, very exciting chatting with you. You know, you have sort of shared such a, you know, a gamut of information and how the ecosystem you know, is uh, is behaving or it's churning out companies. Is that you're doing an immense job in enabling? I think not only a social change and impact, but in sort of uh, defining the future. I mean, in the sense you are uh, not only defining in a way a lot of what companies would be doing. You are maybe changing how the DNA of uh, specifically, you know, India would be changing. How the DNA of our city is changing, how we are going to be more innovative, how we are going to be thinking, you know, when we are looking at your 2027 vision and that is a time, you know, when a lot of startups are going to be sort of communicating with each other, we might just see a wave of technology which you have never seen, innovation, uh, and specifically in technology, uh, that is something which has never happened and we cannot predict mm -hmm. because that is something which is beyond the models of how the ideas would, you know, move from one another, how the collaboration would happen. So, uh, thanks a lot. I really uh, appreciate you for giving me a lot of time. Um, uh, thanks for sharing yeah, time. Thank you very much, Nishant. And, uh, Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.